Good Evening, Goodbye Forever, Volume 2, by Nakjang Rinpoche. Chapter 1, To Stare Directly. Past mind no longer exists. Future mind is not yet present. Whatever arises in the moment is indecipherable because it cannot be translated by thought without converting it into thought. Words known by heart, dwelt upon them four times a day, every day. These words were experientially true because the past seemed to have nowhere to abide. Memories were there, certainly, but variable, inconsistent, mutable, fluctuating, according to whichever transient identity was remembering. Memories change according to a person's state of mind when a memory occurs. A dejected mind remembers an event in one way. An elated mind remembers the same event in another way. The permutations are infinite and directionless, unless one discovers an impetus which transcends compulsive self-referencing. My future had no shape. It had no vector other than the indications I had received from Kyabje Dujum Rimshe, Jigdral Yeshe Dorje. The revelation of a cycle of visionary teachings and practices, teaching, accepting students, and functioning as a Lama. How was an old bluesman to do that? I was not an old bluesman because I was old. One cannot be old in one's twenties, but perhaps one can feel as if a great deal of time has passed. The bluesman I'd been in my final two years of school seemed long distant, and the distance gave a sense of age. Five years may as well have been fifty years. Dujum Rinpoche, however, had reawoken that old bluesman at the most unlikely moment. Time had telescoped. He asked me to let him hear the music I'd sung when I was younger. I'd sung Hoochie Coochie Man, and he surprised me by being rather animated in his enjoyment of my rendition. He didn't tap his foot or clap in time, but he was evidently involved in the rhythm of the song. He made subtle movements with his hands, which may have had some relation to Tibetan folk dance. I was preoccupied, however. I was trying too hard to give the performance I could to take note of what else was happening in the room. I was also too much in awe of Dujum Rumshe to watch him watching me. Having heard me, he told me never to abandon blues or any of the arts with which I'd engaged. He said, Arts very much important for Vajrayana. Religion arts from nature of elements coming, 
secular arts also from nature of elements coming. In essence, no difference coming. Gyabje Dujam Rinpoche said that the arts would be important to me as a Lama in terms of communicating with people of my own culture. This was because people would know that I knew my own culture sufficiently to demonstrate its value, and thus its value in terms of Vajrayana. It was not enough merely to tell people that the arts were important. One had to be able to demonstrate it. He made it clear that the pinnacle of every civilization was its art. The capital cities of every country had museums for the purpose of displaying the greatest art of its people. It was art that marked a people as being civilized. Because of this, lamas in the West had to demonstrate, to whatever degree, the genius of their culture. I pointed out, apologetically, Blues Rinpoche is black American culture and I'm a white Englishman. Some people are of the opinion that one has to be a black American to sing or play blues. I'm not sure whether I can be honest in disagreeing with that point of view because it's important to me to honour the African-American culture which created blues. Dujam Rimshe shook his head. Both Western, both in the world. Electric music, not Tibet coming. Electric guitar, not Africa coming. England language, not Africa coming. England language, England coming. In West, all cultures everywhere going. Everything, everyone belonging all foods eating, all wines drinking, all clothes wearing. Black American music, all young people's music inside. No difference coming. Vajrayana not Tibetans belonging. Vajrayana all peoples belonging. It was extraordinary to be talking with Dujam Rinpoche on this subject and to realise that he understood more about the West than I could have guessed. Blues was indeed the root of, black, of rock music. There were Western people who didn't know that, but somehow Dujam Rinpoche was aware of it. It was self-evident to Dujam Rinpoche, even though he had never set foot in the West. The point he made about culture ricocheted round my head later in the day and I realised that the willow pattern crockery from which I'd eaten for the greater part of my life was Chinese in origin. Pasta is said to have been introduced to Italy from China by Marco Polo. The tea the English drank was Indian. The Axminster carpets in many hotels were Persian in design. And those who could afford it, like Ron Larkin's parents, had actual Persian carpets on their floors. Fish and chips was originally Jewish, 
These and yet further foreign imports are now regarded as typically English. The chilli that is ubiquitous in the East and seems to so characteristic of Indian and Bhutanese cuisine came from South America. Past mind no longer exists. Future mind is not yet present. Whatever arises in the moment is indecipherable because it cannot be translated by thought without converting it into thought. So much for the past and future, but what of the present? The present was a moving moment in a series of largely irrelevant travel events on trucks, buses and trains. And suddenly I was on a flight to London Heathrow. As the aeroplane took off, I'd whispered whimsically, cry God for Harry, England and St George, because I was a little glad to escape from the monsoon heat of India. The Western Buddhists in India and Nepal would have pilloried me for that. I relished being in the Vajrayana culture of India and Nepal, but I didn't love the East as much as the other Western Buddhists. I recited Yeshit Sogyal Mantra as the aeroplane lifted off, with no particular sense of disjuncture between that and the Shakespeare I'd whispered. Let thoughts of past and future settle in the present moment, and in that moment, simply experience what is naturally there. I recited Padmasambhava mantra on landing. It was naturally there. It was the sound of my mouth, pharynx, larynx and esophagus as natural as respiration. Then, as I disembarked from the Afghani Airways aeroplane, I sighed, Oh yeah, jolly old blighty. No one said jolly old blighty apart from my father and other old British Raj soldiers. And, oh yeah, was an exclamation that Kyabje Dujam Rimshe often made. Oya has many shades of meaning surprise, astonishment, amazement, wonder, pleasure, hilarity, satisfaction, gratification, delight, regret, ennui concerning foolishness, dissatisfaction doubt, suspicion, misgiving, curiosity and many other permutations. The meaning is indicated mainly by tone of voice, facial expression or gesticulation. The incongruity of tongue-in-cheek jingoism and mantra recitation was as typical of me at the time as it is now. It's not a deliberate affectation. 
it's merely a random, unstudied appreciation, uninhibited by established conventions. I never rebelled against convention on principle. I enjoyed the proms and many other time-honoured aspects of British culture. I merely diverged from hippie convention through an individuated delight in phenomena and deviated from mainstream convention on the same impulse. I wore Levi Strauss 501 Serge de Nîmes trousers, but I ironed them. I also starched them when they became faded and floppy. I never considered myself to be unconventional, merely because I liked aspects of various different social mores, customs and traditions. I had a love of well-phrased, grammatically perfect English and a love of blues patois with its double negatives. I disliked swearing and vulgarity, but there was no obscene slang word that I would abjure entirely. I considered that any word, slang or otherwise, that had a meaning also had a use in the right time and place. Even clichés and hackneyed phraseology could be employed if a useful or creative purpose was served. I saw no problem with being an anarchist and monarchist. I was a tactical Labour voter who enjoyed seeing Ted Heath conducting a choir with his own melodic adaptation of the Twelve Days of Christmas. The only problem with such societal deviations was that it made people uneasy or wary, unless, of course, they were art students or similar creatures. Whatever is perceived is radiantly clear like the changeless blue nature of the sky. Whatever arises in mind is inseparable from primordial radiant clarity awareness. The Himalayas were far distant, yet Dujamramshe remained vivid. I'd seen those mountains the highest in the world and the subject of poetry and painting. And yet they didn't remain as Dujamramshe remained. The first impulse that arose, therefore, when I'd unpacked was to read one of the final teachings I'd received. What is considered to be mind is not what it is imagined to be. It is purposeless to attempt to understand mind with thought. It is better simply to allow mind to see itself, for there is no difference between mind and seeing. Past mind no longer exists. Future mind is not yet present. Whatever arises in the moment is indecipherable 
because it cannot be translated by thought without converting it into thought. Let thoughts of past and future settle in the present moment and in that moment simply experience what is naturally there. Visual projections appear in meditation if one distracts oneself with here and there or then and when. If, however, it is considered that mind is nothing, it will become the prison of numb emptiness in which the richness of the nature of mind will not self-emerge. Mind can be investigated with the intellect for the entire duration of a life, but one would be no closer to realisation. The real meaning of Dzogchen is natural immediacy, in which the presence of awareness is without limit. Whatever is perceived is radiant, like the changeless blue nature of the sky. Whatever arises in mind is inseparable from primordial radiant clarity awareness. It is unborn and unceasing in splendour. It joyously manifests in every aspect of phenomenal reality. When Namtogs arise, stare directly into their arising. When Namtogs dissolve, stare directly into their dissolution. It is the same in life. With each life circumstance, whatever is enacted, stare directly into the enactment with all the senses. Considering this will make you happy. Be of great good cheer. A ma ho. I could hear Dujam Rimshe's voice through what I'd written, even though the words came through a translator. It was merely my handwriting, but I'd written the words in Dujam Rimshe's presence, so they carried a sense of wonder. The fact that I had written the words in Dujam Rimshe's room seemed miraculous. I had no vocabulary or grammar, however, through which I could explain that to anyone.